Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where we introduce you to interesting people and their inspiring stories. From Grace professors, current students, and distinguished alumni, to special guests and speakers on our campus. You can meet new people and hear how they are impacting the world around them. This podcast is recorded and produced at Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Davy Blackburn is living a beautiful story of redemption and healing, forgiveness and hope. What the enemy meant to serve as a roadblock has become something beautiful in his life. And God has shifted him into areas of opportunity, opportunity to serve, to love, to learn, to grow, and to impact others for eternity. Davey, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be here with you guys. Thanks so much. And thank you so much for sharing with our students this morning in chapel. Yeah. Uh, very rarely I've seen a line that big of students mm. wanting to talk to the speaker afterwards. You really you really wow. hit a nerve of something our wow. students needed to hear. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone's dealing with pain. And I think that's one of the major things I've discovered along this journey is that we all deal with it in some shape, form, or another. And not everybody's dealing with it in the same level or in the same way, but it definitely is a common denominator of yeah. life. Well, give us a little bit of background. This is the Grace Story podcast. Yeah. So just lay a little bit of the framework of your life, where you grew up, your family, yeah. uh, some of some of those things. And, and then uh, I'd love to hear about your time even in college. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I grew up in Alabama. I was a pastor's kid, Birmingham, Alabama. You know, we... You don't have much of a twang. That's impressive. No, I kind of, I was a communications major in college, so (laughs) I had to kind of eliminate that. And, uh, but yeah, so grew up in Alabama and, um, baseball was my sport. That was my life. It was my idol. And then, you know, I was saved at eight years old, but as a pastor's kid, I was kind of just living a good life and just, I wanted to be a good kid and, and maybe, but I didn't want to be outspoken about my faith. And so obviously there were a lot of other priorities in my life above my faith, um, my senior, right before my senior year, my dad told us that he was resigning at the church that he was at and we moved. So starting over wow. sports, school, friends, everything, my senior year of high school, but God used that transition and that Christmas, he called me into ministry at a big Wesleyan youth convention. Hmm. I grew up Wesleyan and a big Wesleyan youth convention. This guy gets up. He looked like he got off the boat with Noah. He was old. He was the general <laughs> superintendent of the Wesleyan church at the time. Earl Wilson said, if I'm going to talk about a full-time call to ministry today. And I didn't hear a word that he said because I had my path marked out for me. But at the end of the message, he said, if you feel called to full-time ministry, walk to the back. And I have no idea what came over me other than the Holy Spirit of God. And I stood up, started walking to the back. Halfway back, I'm like, what am I doing right now? (laughs) And this rush of peace comes over me. And the Lord said, this is what your life is to be about. And I've never looked back since. Mm. It was right about that same time that Southern Wesleyan had offered me a full-ride scholarship. Incidentally, God calls me to ministry December 28th. I had to sign for that full ride. Otherwise, scholarship money was going to be dispersed Hmm. on January 1st. Wow. So it was just God's timing right there, opening the door, saying, this is what you're going to do. This is where you're going to go. I'm I'm paving the way for you. So my time in college was uh, wonderful. I mean, initially it was not good because the team was not good at all. And so, again, here goes my hope and my, my idol becoming baseball. And the Lord really, long story short, kind of snapped me out of it through a series of circumstances and other people where I started realizing on our campus, particularly that most of the athletes were not believers. Mm. And so, you know, I, here I am a Christian ministries major and a baseball player going into systematic theology classes, hearing my friends say, man, I can't wait to be in ministry one day. Can't wait to be in ministry one day. And yet they would go and play Halo three in their underwear 
<laughs> in the afternoons and I'm going to a baseball field and, and, you know, practicing with all these guys who are further from the Lord, right. than could ever be. And so two of us, Kenneth Wagner, he's now a pastor in, in Delaware. He was our catcher and myself, we were roommates. The Lord just burdened us deeply for these guys. Mm. We started praying for their salvation. Crazy story. So I wish I could share all the stories of this. Wow. Maybe next time I come back there to grace, yes. I can share a bunch of this stuff, but crazy things began happening. And we had that semester 15 guys come to know Christ on our team. Wow. I've never seen anything like it. It wow. was unbelievable. So the next the next year we started a ministry that was a it was a arm of fellowship of Christian athletes, but we didn't want to call it fellowship of Christian athletes because we knew no athlete would show up if we called it fellowship oh, of wow. Christian yeah, athletes. Yeah. So we called it Ignite and we saw over 40 athletes come to know Christ in that ministry. So God was doing this sweeping revival on our campus. And so my time in college was incredible because of that on top of that in 2007, well, my sophomore year in 2006 and 2007, our team got a lot better. We ended up winning NCC's, uh, so National Christian College. Yes. Uh, we won nationals that year in baseball in 2007. So just cool what God was doing. Um, in that time, I met my my late wife, Amanda. Uh, she, we were set up, and I shared that this morning in, in chapel. That's how you got to know uh, Northern Indiana. That's right? how I got not, to know, right. So here I am, here. Alabama boy, You know, went to school in South Carolina. However, I was born in Indianapolis. Oh, okay. My parents went to um, – Indiana Wesleyan, back when it was called Marion College. Gotcha. Ah. Both of their parents were professors. You know, my dad was a missionary's kid. He grew up in Haiti, and then they came back, and he was, my grandfather was a professor at uh, Indiana Wesleyan. My, my grandmother actually helped start the nursing program oh, wow. there. So just a rich heritage of faith, and um, which is huge because I attribute so much of what would happen kind of next in my life and how the Lord really undergirded me in a tragedy, a massive tragedy, with a, just a bedrock of faith, mm-hmm. you know, a family, rich heritage of seeing them walk through difficult things and yet holding on to their own faith. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kind of to skip through some of this, I ended up meeting and, and, and marrying my, I mean, just just absolute, unbelievable, wonderful woman. Um, she was my soulmate. And uh, she was, she grew up in Elkhart. We got married in 2008, double wedding with her sister and the guy that introduced us, <laughs> who's still one of my best friends, serves on our board as a ministry oh, now. Oh, that's amazing. Um, but double wedding, and then we went to on staff at a church in South Carolina. Um, thought we'd be there for the rest of our lives, and then God called us to plant a church in Indianapolis. Hmm. And when you plant a church, um, it's like God calls you to plant a forest and drops you in the middle of a parking lot. <laughs> it's just hard. It really is. I loved what you said this morning. It's like there's broke, there's college broke, and then there's church planner broke. <laughs> you're just literally, you're living by a shoestring and by faith. And it's just, but it was so sweet and so fulfilling and so galvanizing for our marriage. And we finally got this little church plan up to about 120 people every week. And it was like, ah, oh, this is sweet. We've arrived. And then November 10th, 2015, I left for the gym. Um, it was a typical Tuesday morning. I would normally get up and go to the gym early, shower at the gym, go to Starbucks, start writing me- messages for the, for that Sunday. And I forgot to pack my bag. Um, I think now looking back on it, it's providentially, but I was frustrated with myself. So I went back to the house to go shower and I walked in to find Amanda. Um, she was on our living room floor, floor face down in, a, in blood all around her and unconscious, but breathing and she was pregnant with our second. Our firstborn was 15 months. Weston, he was in his crib uh, this entire time. But what had happened 
as I found out later in the waiting room um, in the hospital, was that three men had broke into our home, and she got caught up in the scuffle of that. They were on a random crime spree through our city, broke into the home three doors down from us, watched me leave for the gym, and decided to take that opportunity to break into our home. Um, and she was she was shot, and you know eventually uh, passed away from those gunshot wounds. So it just turned my world upside down, and, all of it. And uh, so the, the, this, this tragedy, and, and some hearing this will go, I, re- I remember hearing about yeah. that. Um, my wife this morning came to chapel, and she, you know, the second I said your name, she goes, I, I remember that story. Um, and, and you talked a little bit about it this morning, but just, uh, you know, h- how did the Lord work in you through unimaginable yeah. pain um, over those next yeah. days, weeks, and months. What I love about the Lord is that he, when, so his word is true. And I don't think you realize just how true his word is until you walk through pain. We can say it, we can understand it cerebrally, but we experience it in the midst of pain. You know, even look at Psalm 23, which is what I preached this morning. Mm-hmm. You've got the psalmist who's writing in the, um, the, the third person through the first three verses. He's like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me. He makes me. right. So then the third person. It feels like this kind of uh, far off, aloof, mm-hmm. transcendent God. But then he says, "Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you are with me." Yeah. It like ah. flips to the second person. All of a sudden, he's he's near and he's intimate. Interesting. And so, what I think about that is that on the mountaintops we can know about God, but in the valleys we really get to know God. Mm. And if we're That's open good. to it, He will show up in these moments to to hedge our hearts and remind us that he is here and that he's in it. So like, you know, even in the hospital, we're sitting in the hospital bed waiting for test results to come back or uh, sitting beside her hospital bed. And so it's it's me on one side, her sister on the other. Ironically, the same exact places of the hospital bed that we were standing beside her 15 months earlier when she's giving birth to Weston. And we, we found ourselves, her sister and I just found ourselves in this moment where like, I can't believe we're here, you know. I knew that if Amanda at that point was conscious, could understand anything, right? She was being kept alive with breathing tubes, that she would want to hear um, elevation worship because that's what she used to go and run to. She would she'd run all the time. She'd listen to elevation worship. And so I put on Pandora radio station, elevation worship radio station. Pandora is randomly generated. You don't – random, right? But – as I put that on there, the first song that came up, Drew, was the song Nothing is Wasted. Mm. Ah. And it was like God reached in in that moment and just calmed our hearts. Like we knew, like we were in the most devastating moment of our lives. And we knew this was not going to turn out okay. And yet the Lord's going, I'm here. Trust me. And so he, he does something, if you're open to it, to minister to you in a very personal way. Now, he'll use other people to minister to you. I mean, gosh, my family being there at the hospital, looking around the hospital room, recognizing just these pillars of faith, knowing what they had gone through, and they're they're there supporting me. The Big C Church, I mean, part of the blessing of our story being such a public thing, there were a lot of disadvantages, too, a lot of things that we just had to put up with and deal with, right? But one of the blessings was that it felt like the Big C Church just wrapped their arms around us. I, If you were to... If you were to Think about how can how can you give someone the most ideal care that they mm. possibly could have in a situation like this. I had it. 
And sometimes I look back and I go, why, God? Why did I have that when I, I go and minister at other churches and minister, and they don't have that, it seems like? Well, one, the Lord reminds me, they have me, so point them to me, mm. which is way wow. more powerful than anything else. But two, the reason you have this, Davey, is because this is a stewardship now. Mm. This is your responsibility wow. to provide that for people, to create spaces where people can have that kind of help and resourcing and hope. And so... You know, so so coming through some of that journey, there's so much involved with a grief journey like that, especially with trauma, with tragedy. There's so many places that God showed up. Um, I, this book hasn't been released yet, but I wrote a book called Nothing Is Wasted it's with publishers. We've had to wait to release it till after my late wife's trial, mm -hmm. which just finished in September. So now we're trying to figure out when we're releasing it and stuff. But that's what the whole book is about is like, how did God show up and meet me? and basically write a healing journey for me. And I think that's what I would, would really emphasize to folks is, you know, there's no one right way to walk through grief, but there's a thousand wrong ways to walk through it. The, the, absolute, the absolute pivotal way to walk through it, what's imperative is to walk through it with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then um, do things that are counterintuitive. Our human nature wants to run away or suppress pain because we're just, it's uncomfortable, it hurts. And yet the Lord is using these painful negative emotions to invite us into deeper healing. So those triggers that you experience because of pain, it's actually, although it's counterintuitive, you need to lean into those things. And that's where God's going to show up, right? Sometimes he does that in counseling settings. Sometimes he does that with friends. Sometimes he does that by your, like while you're alone and just waves of grief are passing over you. But after that, I promise waves of grace will pass over you too. And I have story after story after story after story of how God did that and showed up for me. One of the things I so appreciated this morning that you, you did with students is, you know, um, we, we hear your story and we're going, I've got nothing in my life that's, mm -hmm. you know, that painful or that difficult. And, I you know, and, and you made it uh, relatable and said, like, we all have pain. Yeah. It's different pain. It might be different levels of pain. It's different right. types of pain. But pain is pain. That's exactly right. And it hurts. Yep. And no matter who you are, you, you, you've been through some pain right. and God's got a purpose in that pain. That's right. We always tell people don't compare pain. That's, a that's an exercise of futility. Because the worst thing that you've experienced is the worst thing you've experienced. Yeah. And, and it informs your capacity for pain. You know, Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor, he wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He described pain like the gas chambers that he witnessed. He said when gas gets released into it, which is just a crazy thing to think sure. about, first of all, how heavy that he's watching his friends and family members, you know, some of the folks in his community, being exterminated through gas chambers, right? But later he writes about it, he says, you know, gas, when gas gets released in a chamber, it doesn't matter the size of the chamber, gas fills up the chamber. Pain is similar. It doesn't matter the, the capacity or the ability or the faculties of the person who is holding it, it fills it up. Mm. And so to not acknowledge your pain, which is what a lot of people do throughout life, they diminish it, they suppress it, they try to escape it or numb, is to set yourself up for that pain oozing out sideways right? It's going to affect every area of your life, your soul, your body, your mind. And so to, to not acknowledge it or diminish it is to then not heal from it, right? You can't heal what you're not willing to feel. Mm -hmm. And if you want, if you want to heal from pain, you're going to have to speak it out because speaking it out, talking about it, it begins to give you some ability to gain some distance from that pain enough to observe it and then to label it. So that you start to do what, what so what, 
what psychology calls is it begins to help you create a trauma narrative that right sizes that pain. Scripture says this, Revelation 12 says, they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. But we so often are so afraid of pain because again, it's uncomfortable that we never allow God to do the ministry that he wants to do in that pain through the valley. Not, hey, God, rescue me from the valley. Get me out of it. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see you through the valley. Mm-hmm. And then through the valley, I'm going to do something so profound in you that you look back on the valley as we're going up and ascending out of the valley. And you go, wow, that's really beautiful. And you realize that you're a completely different person, more like the image of Jesus. Wow. Heal. You can't heal what you haven't yet or what you, you can't heal what you, what you, feel. Feel, what you yeah. won't feel. That's, that's, uh... My counselor said this way, you can't selectively numb. Meaning if you numb the pain that you're experiencing, you will by virtue numb the other, your, other, your body's other abilities to feel other feelings you want to feel. Yeah. The joy, the happiness, the, the beauty, all that stuff that you're like, oh, I want to get to that. Well, scripture says it this way. Paul said, I want to share in the resurrections of Christ. Mm. But if I'm going to share in the resurrections, first I must share in his sufferings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that is the portal by which Jesus is inviting us into a deeper, more resurrected life. And part of uh, your story and God's redemption of this uh, tragedy is um, providing you another wife. Yeah. Um, right. So tell a little bit of that story. Just yeah. even, you know, she's now a <clears throat> part of this ministry mm-hmm. and this journey, and, and, and you're very open about that. But to tell a little bit about meeting yeah. Uh, your your wife now and in your family. Yeah, it's really and and I want to make a point of of delineation here because especially when we work with widows or widowers, yeah. they often think that the redemption of their story is when they find someone That's else. That's a good point. Right? And I just, I call that the icing on the cake. Redemption in your story, no matter what pain you're going through, starts when you decide that you're going to allow God to use your pain to help others. Hmm. That's when redemption happens. But God is so good that he fills our cups up to overflow, right? And so the icing on the cake of, of the story for me is that he has provided me another wife, but he even does that in a way that's redemptive. So I about, so it was the end of 2016, um, and I had felt like, you know, I'd, it had been an entire year, felt like the Lord just did such an incredible work in me that I finally started going, Lord, if you would bring me another wife, I don't know if you intend to, but I just want, I'm going to put some requests in there, right? <laughs> Would she love you more than she loves me? Because that was a, a, that was just a marked thing about Amanda is that she loved Jesus. And that was her first love. Would she love too? Would she love me? That'd be nice. Would she love Weston as if that he is her own? And would she love Amanda? Because I know so much of what you're doing out of this now I'm going to be spending the rest of my life carrying Amanda's story. And Mm -hmm. she has to be so grounded in her identity and who she is in you that she doesn't wrestle with comparison or jealousy or or feel like she's living in someone's shadow. So I observe, I was working out at a CrossFit gym and there were several of these folks at this CrossFit gym who had started coming to my church that I was pastoring at the time. This girl walks in. It was one of those moments where it was like, like the heavens opened up, like (laughs) dove descending. And you're like, ah, you know, I'm like, what? And it's the first time that that part of my heart started just, again, it reawoken. And I didn't think that was possible, right? I thought that that had died with Amanda. But here God's going, no, I want to revive that too. And so I got, I was really interested, but I didn't know anything about her. So I'm like, I don't know if she loves Jesus. I don't know if, here she is just coming in to work out this cross. So I, I very <clears throat> casually go over and, you know, come over to their stretching circle. Sure, yeah. It wasn't creepy at all, I promise. 
And I hear them, overhear them talking about a KB concert, which is a Christian rap artist. I'm like, okay, well, this is a good sign. Well, lo and behold, she begins coming to the church and she starts walking through the doors. She has a, she has a daughter. She's coming by herself with her daughter. So I'm like, okay, there's a story here. There's no, she's not married. Um, and she was, you know, come, I mean, just looked incredible, like beautiful, put together, very poised, walking through in heels, carrying an actual Bible, which is a huge deal, engaging in worship, taking notes. I'm like, there is something interesting and impressive about this girl. So for three months, I'm just watching her and observing her. I would try to kind of get in, you know, in the church lobby, I'd try to kind of get in her way or something. And she would just avoid me like the plague. I had no idea till later why. So fast forward several months, I am finishing up the manuscript of my book. The gym owner had given me a key to come in after hours. So I come in to kind of just, I mean, an eight hour writing session, come in, just kind of like get a workout. And she comes out of the gym. She was there at the last class. And I'm like, hey, I corner her very pastorally. Um, <laughs> you're co- you've been coming to my church for three months. I don't know anything about you. What's your Jesus story? That's how pastors date. Yeah. That's what we do. That's, and she said, that's, that's the pastoral yeah, pickup line right yeah. there. Yeah. She said, well, uh, and so she starts telling me her story. She had also been serving in our inner city ministry, uh, which was an expression of coming out of the tragedy. We were we were partnering with the church in the inner city to intercept kids and teenagers before they step into a life of crime-related, drug-related activity. So I'm like, wow. Hearing her story, I'm like, you you spent time on the mission field, Cambodia, Mexico, Brazil. You're serving in our inner city. So you must be passionate about ministry. Check. You know? She goes, yeah. You know, well, I'm also serving in the inner city ministry because my stepdad and mom live in that neighborhood. And I'm like, by choice? This is a really violent neighborhood. She said, yeah, um... I said, well, you know why we're serving there? It's Amanda's story. She said, yeah, I know Amanda's story, and I probably am too, more familiar with it than what you would be comfortable with. She said that, and I'm like, wait, what are you talking mm. about? So I pressed her on it. She said, Davey, um, my stepdad is one of the chaplains for the Marion County Prison System, and he has been assigned to the three guys that killed Amanda. He visits them and shares the gospel with them every week. So... Here I am turning in the manuscript of my book going, God, what's the redemption story that you have for me? And then this encounter right here with this girl that somehow I'm drawn to. I wish I could say something profound came out of my mouth. All I said was, do you want to go get some dinner? (laughs) But for me, it became a moment where I was like, I've got to hunt down what is happening right here. God, what are you doing? And that would be my encouragement to people. You know, people are always like, well, how do I find God's redemption story in my story? And I'd say, the things that God puts in front of you, those things that are like only God could do this, they're typically scary. They typically require courageous action. Mm. They typically require faith. And that is usually the indicator that God is inviting you into a redemption story. He's always going to require faith and a courageous action. And then when, it, when that happens, when you take that step, he does the miraculous. And so, you know, we, she still avoided me for several months. We, I finally convinced her to go on a date with me. Um, and we ended up getting married at the end of 2017. And so now we, we really do feel like she's got a lot of little T trauma. What I would say in her past, you know, um, abusive dad growing up that abandoned their family when she was 19. So it's her stepdad, you mm-hmm. know, that is the chaplain. So she's got a lot of little T trauma and mine's a story of big T trauma, but together we're able to really help people with with trauma and pain across the board. You know, you got a lot of people who are dealing with little T trauma that again, try to suppress it and diminish it. Yeah. And she's got such a powerful story and testimony to say, Hey, listen, don't, 
push this down because it will come up. It'll, it'll come up and it'll come up with a vengeance later mm-hmm. if you don't deal with it now. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what we're doing now. We're just on a crusade to help people. And I want to, I want, I want to make sure we, we lean into that. You, you now have three, three children. Kids. Is that right? Okay. So her daughter from her previous marriage, her previous marriage ended in a really painful divorce. Um, my son from my previous marriage and then ours together. So yours, mine and ours. And together you have um, launched into ministry. And I know yeah. we have only tipped the iceberg yeah. of the stories. Uh, but, I, but I want um, uh, folks to hear of the right. resources that you have available and what, what you're doing and just how it's growing and, and the ways that, and again, everyone listening to this has a pain story. Right. And some say, I might, I might need some help. or yep. you know. So you've talked about the book. Uh, talk about your podcast. Just talk mm-hmm. about the different ways that um, you're now using the difficulties of your past, of your right. wife's past, to now make a difference and get that message out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's evolved over the past four years, since 2019. 2019 is when I stepped away from the church I was pastoring to do this full time. We had no idea what that looked like. All we had was a podcast. But the podcast was gaining a lot of traction because people have a lot of pain. And they were enjoying hearing the stories of other people who had gone through pain. There was a solidarity with it. Mm -hmm. Me too. And yet, not the me too that kind of keeps you stuck in it and like says, well, let's just wallow here in this me too. It was like wow, if God can do that in them, then what can he do in me as well? So it provided a lot of inspiration to move forward. But over the past four years, we've been like, okay, inspiration's great, but transformation's better. So how do we provide resources for people? So now what we do is we we basically provide content, community, and coaching. Those are our three hubs, I guess. And it's all digital distribution Mm -hmm. platform, nothingiswasted.com where there's both free and paid content, the podcast being one of the, the main threads of that, and uh, you know membership for people to be able to jump on and consume a lot more content, including master classes from our, from our coaches, which I'll get to that in a second, uh, live coaching, um, bonus episodes, mini courses, a bunch of stuff there on that content. So we're just providing a lot of inspiration for people. But then community, we have this community on our platform, this like almost social network of community that helps people find others who are going through the same thing they're going through. Mm. It eliminates the objection that says, nobody gets what I'm going through. Well, first of all, Jesus understands what you're going through. We have a high priest who can empathize with with everything we've gone through, right? And you can test him in that. I remember going, Lord, how do you know what it feels like to lose a wife? You weren't married. And he goes, Davey, my bride is my church. I had it stolen from me and I had to go rescue it. And I was like, wow. Like you really can understand everything every one of us is going through because he subjected himself to the human experience. That's the, that's the single uh, uh, distinctive character of Jesus between, you know, among all the other religious leaders, like God came to us. Right. So we want to provide that in community that says, Hey, we get it. We have people here that understand. So now we say me too. Now let's move through. Right. And then coaching, we have 30 certified coaches now that have gone through what I'll talk about is our pain to purpose curriculum, and they can help people one on one in their particular pain point. So everywhere from widow or widower to child loss to abortion, regret and recovery, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, abuse, domestic violence. I mean, divorce, any pain point that you would think of. We've got coaches who they would, that's their story. They've healed through it really well and they've been certified through our pain to purpose uh, curriculum. The, what's happening now is that we have been launching our pain to purpose curriculum in churches all over the country and just started 
jumping in with, with some church networks and partnerships. And this becomes a 12-week course where we try to get into the lifeblood of churches and their discipleship programs so that care teams, prayer teams, everybody knows, okay, if someone comes forward, they've got some kind of pain, trauma, grief, loss they're dealing with, man, pain to purpose is the environment to go to to help you unpack your pain, heal from it, begin building solid foundational rhythms in your life that will help with ongoing healing and to fortify you for the next trial that you're going to go mm-hmm. through because you're going to go through one another one. Mm-hmm. And then how do I discover God's purposes out of this? Redemptive purposes that can put me on mission in my local church, in my community to um, to kind of essentially get vengeance on the enemy for what he's taken back or taken in my life. And so that's the whole thread of the course. We're launching it in churches all over the country. We actually launched this past year in UK and Ireland. So we're kind of worldwide now. And, um, and that's, that's what our ministry is, is really uh, all about right now. That's where we've pushed all of our chips into. And so if someone is themselves individually or maybe a pastor of a church and what, what's the the best way to kind of, find you and yep. find uh, what you and your team are working on. Yeah. Nothing is wasted.com is a great way to connect with us. Um, you can go through pain to purpose as a self-directed study. You can also go through it with a coach or you can go through it at a local church. If you have one close by that is doing it. If not, if you're like, man, I'd love to bring this to my church, whether you're a pastor or we have folks who are like lay leaders or lay people in the church who are going, they're going to their pastor. I just talked to a pastor yesterday. They're like, well, we had someone come to us and say, can we do this? And they're willing to lead it. I just wanted to find out more information. I'm like, well, yeah, let's talk about it. And so they're probably going to be launching the course in the fall. So if you're someone who's like, I want to bring this to my church, you can connect with us there too. So if you go to nothingiswasted.com and if you're interested in it from a church standpoint, nothingiswasted.com slash churches. And that gives you information on how we launch it in churches. And then there's actually a little button there that says demo call. I do a demo call Mm. every other Thursday with pastors and church leaders where our local church director and myself, we sit on the call and we just answer questions, tell people how we do this and just connect with them, see how we can serve them. Wow. Thank you um, so much for sharing your story with our students, sharing your life with our campus, and even on this podcast, just getting the message out about how God is working in your life and then how you're using that to want to help everybody else. I appreciate you spending the time today. It's been awesome. And thanks to all of you for listening to the Grace Story podcast today. Please like or comment and share this with anyone who you think may need it. Thanks to Rick and Ryan, our producers. And wherever you are, have a great Grace Story today.